It is now my distinct pleasure to introduce our keynote speaker, Dr. Sharon Stevenson. She represents the new era of healthcare in which we draw on the strengths of animal and human medicine to produce better healthcare for all. Dr. Stevenson is the founder and manager and director of Okapi Venture Capital and president of Bellwether Care. Okapi Venture Capital invests in seed and early stage life sciences and information technology companies. Bellwether Care empowers patients, caregivers, and families to participate fully in shared decisions, making decisions made during serious illness. Dr. Stevenson's academic success paved the way for her entrepreneurial success. At The Ohio State University, she graduated summa cum laude with a doctorate in veterinary medicine degree and a master's in science in veterinary pathobiology. She then received her PhD in comparative pathology at UC Davis and followed that up at UCLA, receiving her MBA. She was elected by her classmates at UCLA to be their commencement speaker, so she's no stranger to this role. She completed an internship in the medical and surgical care of horses, exotic animals, and farm animals at the University of Pennsylvania, and went on to successful academic career at The Ohio State University, the University of Bern, Switzerland, Tufts University College of Veterinary Medicine, and Case Western Reserve, where she became a tenured associate professor of orthopedics in their school of medicine. During a sabbatical, she served as a senior research scientist at Howard Hughes Medical Institute at UCLA. Clearly, she was achieving an academia, but it was at this point that she began her transition to an entrepreneurial success. She began um, advising the Musculoskeletal Transplant Foundation on strategic areas that maximize the effectiveness of the foundation. Simultaneously, she was serving as director of Neocyte, an orthopedic company. Dr. Stevenson has a unique vantage point of animal and human health, and she considers the DVM, quote, the most wonderful degree in all of the health sciences. Dr. Stevenson, I'm delighted that you are here today and we are prepared to be inspired and learn from you. Please join me in welcoming Dr. Stevenson. Thank you. Wow, <laughs> this is uh, quite the venue. Dean Laramore, a whole bunch of other deans, esteemed faculty, distinguished alumni, graduating class, guests, relatives, and any other interested parties. Welcome, I'm really glad to be here, it's a, it's a real honor. To you graduates, congratulations. It's just, it's like an incredibly wonderful day. I do, I think the DVM is the most wonderful degree in all of the health sciences. We learn anatomy, physiology, pathology, clinical medicine, all of the disciplines, and we learn them in more than one species. Because of that, we know from the outset that there is more than one right way to have a GI tract or to form a tibia. I believe that breadth of knowledge influences our world in a good way. Also, in my experience, veterinary medicine, veterinarians have an underlying love for and delight in their patients that I have rarely seen in physicians. Of course. To the point of your laughter, it's easier to accept your, something stupid done by your equine or canine patient rather than your human patient who presumably should know better. <laughs> One of the things I love most about veterinary medicine, or again, any medicine, is it's a contact sport. 
by which I mean the practice of our profession in any form engages all of us, our intellect, our education, our knowledge base, our dexterity, our communication skills, in fact, our ethics, our morals, and our souls. Because of that engagement, we are privileged to be changed by our professional lives in a way that many others are not. I remember the time I operated on the wrong leg of an animal and how it felt to tell the owner. I remember the surgeries that went spectacularly well and the joy we all shared. I also remember standing at the OR table, not really knowing exactly what I should do, but knowing I was going to have to decide something. If we bring our whole and best selves to our work, we are transformed. We discover internal resources and capacities that we didn't know we had, not to mention humility. Graduating from veterinary school is a great accomplishment. You've demonstrated many times over discipline, conscientiousness, persistence, responsibility, hard work. These are great qualities, indeed considered core for success. I have another question for you, and it is, how will you make this degree yours and yours alone? We can make our degree manifest in many ways. We can do private practice, public health, we can do academic medicine, specialization, zoonotics, the, the list is, is virtually endless. So the question becomes, how do you weave who you are and who you will become into the practice of your profession? I suspect most of you have an answer in the near term, whatever position or job you've chosen to take after graduation. I knew when I graduated I wanted to be a surgeon. So I went straight into internship, residency, prepare for the exam, take the exam, and it was great. I, I was successful. It was, it was everything I'd hoped for and particularly personally rewarding. Then life intervened, as it tends to do, in the shape of a husband who wanted to come to a faculty position in Davis. Well, the Davis Veterinary Clinic neither needed nor wanted a small animal surgeon. And I didn't want to go into practice. So it occurred to me, well, I'd always liked research done a master's when I was in veterinary school, so why not pursue a PhD? An incredibly kind uh, pathology department chair was willing to use a graduate slot for me, a surgeon. And so I did, almost by chance. The net of it was three first author publications in the Journal of Bone and Joint Surgery, an invitation to an NIH-sponsored symposium on bone grafts, and a faculty position in the orthopedics department at a medical school. Suffice to say, when I started the research program, I had not the slightest idea where it would lead. Rumor has it, yes, there's water. <clears throat> the medical school was both an adventure and a learning experience. <clears throat> I was the only non-MD and woman in a department of 24 orthopedic surgeons. It took me a long time to establish credibility, both personal and professional. I was exposed to new worlds and ways of thinking. I gained the confidence that I could learn to function in a new environment, and I endured more dog jokes than any human being should have to. <laughs> Ultimately, I felt constrained because as a non-MD in a medical school, I would always be staff, always the trainer, never on the field. Eventually, I left academia altogether and took a job <clears throat> excuse me, in a biotech company that was developing a product in my field of expertise. 
it was clear almost immediately that without further education, I was going to be stuck managing research again, only this time in the private sector. So I enrolled in the UCLA uh, Executive MBA program. I was managing a joint venture between the biotech company and Smith and & Nephew going to, while going to business school. I coined the term just-in-time learning. <laughs> Learn to do the financial uh, plan, present it to your board the next week. It was at business school that I was introduced to venture capital. My classmates thought I would be good at it. I literally did not know what they were talking about. <clears throat> I am, after all, a dog doctor from Columbus, Ohio. A friend of a friend knew someone at a venture firm. He took my call. I sent my CV. Another partner uh, was looking at an orthopedics deal and wanted to know if I would do diligence with him. I said, sure. And four months later, they offered me a job. It was three years, as we surgeons say, skin to skin, from the medical school to the venture firm. Then five years later, I had the opportunity with a partner to found a venture firm. We raised two funds together and invested in over 20 companies. My partner has raised a third fund with other partners while I'm pursuing my next phase, which is patient advocacy. At this point in my life, I wanted to pull together all the skills I had sort of gathered up in the private sector, my scientific and medical education, as well as more of my humanity and my, my soul. My specific interest is in decision-making in complex diseases and end of life. I want to help people understand what their choices truly are, and then, arguably the harder part, actually get that from the healthcare system. I have learned over all of this that what we want, what makes us happy, what gives us satisfaction, maybe one thing at 28 and another at 38, 48, 58, 68, 78, and 88. Uh, for the record, I'm hypothesizing about those last few numbers. <laughs> I am not advocating mindless change. Many people joyfully pursue one job in one place for their entire career. However, others feel constrained and don't do anything about it. My personal experience is of making professional course corrections about every 10 or 12 years. All choices that resulted from and were caused by personal growth and change. All were done with a great deal of mindful internal discussion, but never without trepidation. There are a few things that people don't often talk about. One is that we tell our stories backwards, and we live them forwards. Now, I can, as I'm sort of doing here, make the story of my life sound smooth, logical, inevitable. My sister's down there laughing because she knows better. A veritable hero's tale. And I wouldn't be lying. I'd just be emphasizing some things and omitting others. Nonetheless, when I was living it forward, it often felt confusing, despairing, boring, futile, and all the other adjectives of darkness. I frequently felt like a failure and like I was wasting my life and my time. I kept comparing my life to others that I thought were better, more conventional, more linear, more stable. It's my observation that we often compare our insides with other people's outsides and judge ourselves harshly. On the upside, we learn about ourselves during those times, courage, fortitude, sometimes simply persistence and perseverance. On the downside, we cause ourselves unnecessary pain. 
Fortunately for me, this was all before social media. I cannot imagine how difficult it is now with these carefully curated public images all over the place. Another seldom discussed fact is that everything changes. If life is bad, it's going to change. If life is good, it's going to change. We understandably want to kind of hold on to the set of people and activities and time that make us happy. You know, we say, why can't it always be like this? Maybe I can make a contract with the universe. If I don't change, nothing else will, and I'll always be this happy. Besides there being no counter-signatory to this contract, it's invalid on its face. Everything is changing all the time. Science, business, social norms, climate, everything. I have come to believe that the happier choice is to learn how to stay centered as things change and to embrace both the centeredness and the change. My image is of being gathered up over my skis with my knees bent, about to cross the double diamond black moguls. As long, it's going to be bumpy, but manageable, as long as I don't stiffen up. Another image is that of a gyroscope. Lots of spinning, but inherently stable. One of the central parts of my professional stability, and now yours, is this magnificent veterinary medical education. So I ask you, how are you going to make this degree yours? And finally, I can say this without crying, life is a grand adventure. My last word to you is enjoy.